Hello and welcome to the most recent edition of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, I'm the Big Recon, and first things first, I would like to apologize for being gone for so long. Uh, I have been focusing on other things going on in the personal life and on some of the other multimedia stuff we have going here with Big Recon. Um, have done a couple of YouTube hits and videos with our friend Sonny at SCG Sports. And just this past weekend was on the um, Clubhouse Sports podcast, uh, doing an AFC North preview. Of course, me taking the Cleveland Browns and discussing what we think is going to happen come this football season, which kicks off, believe it or not, in less than three months. So I'm going to do a little current events, go through a couple of things that have been on my mind about the sports world over the last few weeks. And let's see what we can come up with for our first time in a while. So, to start, tonight is June the 12th, 2019. And as we speak, we could be 40 minutes away from history. As at the end of the first period in Boston, the St. Louis Blues hold a 2-0 lead over the Boston Bruins in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, the reason it could be history isn't because a champion's going to be crowned tonight with the two greatest words in all of sport, that being Game 7. But St. Louis has never won a Stanley Cup. Now, me personally, I like seeing when teams that haven't won in a long time get to win, including the teams I root for, which over the past 30-some years of my life, I've only seen two championships for my professional sports teams. And, of course, I've seen two championships for my college sport team that I follow with severe intensity. So tonight could be a fun night. I do have family who are Bruins fans. Uh, I'll feel for you, but you won a cup a couple of years ago. St. Louis has never won one. For a guy like Brett Hull, who never showed any emotion other than trying to rip someone's head off, to actually admit to being in tears after they won the conference finals, that's saying something. So good luck to St. Louis tonight. I hope they pull it off and win in Game 7, and they can hoist the Stanley Cup in the Midwest for the first time. So, now on to said NFL, where uh, the Browns finished minicamp. The first uh, mandatory team activities for the upcoming 2019 season under new head coach Freddie Kitchens. Uh, They look pretty good. I watch the show that Cleveland radio uh, TV station does called Building the Browns. Uh, Watch it on YouTube. And the Browns, it's a different animal this year in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield has taken over the facility. He is the man. Even with big personalities like Jarvis Landry and of course Odell Beckham Jr. He is the man. This is Baker Mayfield's team. Um, But there is some controversy in Cleveland Browns land. Uh, Duke Johnson, the multi-purpose back that Cleveland has had on the roster for a few years now out of Miami, has always been a crowd favorite and a very good player. But Duke is not happy with some of the moves the front office made. Now, it's not that he is unhappy because they made garbage moves and they're not going to be a good team. No, Duke is upset because Kareem Hunt was brought in. And Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson are kind of the same back, with one exception. Hunt can run with a little more power. Duke is definitely a finesse runner, not really between the tackles, but can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. But the thing is, 
with the way that Kareem Hunt was used in Kansas City with Andy Reid is the way they're going to want to use him here in Cleveland once he finishes his eight-game suspension. So Duke wants to be traded because he wants to play. Now, Freddie Kitchens has very publicly said that Duke is on the roster and he's under contract and he's going to play. And he's going to be used to the best of his abilities and the Browns are going to get everything they can out of him to help this team win. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Baker may have gone a little too far. Uh, He said Duke's his guy and he hopes the best for him, but you either want to be here or you don't. And I understand both sides of it. But I think maybe, just maybe, Baker went a little too far with this one. Um, Daniel Jones. And I know he doesn't play for the Browns. He is with the Giants. And I bring this up for several reasons. One, I'm still a little bitter. Dwayne Haskins didn't go higher in the draft. But apparently people are starting to believe that Daniel Jones is the real deal. I don't know why people who scouted him for years at Duke all of a sudden changed their minds. But he seems to be a little more impressive with his feet than he is with his arm. Which is fine. He's not going to play this year anyway. Pat Shermer thinks Eli Manning's going to be the second coming of Father Time and be an elite quarterback again. I hate to break it to Pat Shermer. Eli was never an elite quarterback. Eli was a quarterback with very good numbers who had two good postseason runs and outside of that has been marginal at best. Uh, Gerald McCoy, the biggest remaining piece in free agency. Uh, Signed with the Carolina Panthers. A little upset about that. Thought he would end up in Cleveland uh, on that defensive unit with Sheldon Richardson and Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi and, of course, Olivier Vernon, who they required from the Giants. But McCoy goes to Carolina with Cam Newton and those boys. Listen, Carolina's got a great defense now. Eddie McCoy to the middle of that line is going to shore up that front seven for them, which was a little bit of a weakness toward the end of last year. Kept them out of the playoffs. We're going to change our focus a little bit now, and we're going to talk about college baseball. Not something we've ever gotten into here with Big Recon on Sports, but something I really want to talk about for a couple of different reasons. First things first, Ohio State won the Big Ten Tournament. For the first time that I can remember since I've started following Buckeye baseball, Ohio State was a Big Ten champion. Uh, Got them into the College World Series. They get to the Super Regionals. Um, They played three games at the Super Regionals, lost their first and last one. Uh, The first loss was to Vanderbilt, and the eliminating loss was to Indiana State, which ended their great season. Good showing in the Big Ten regular season. Winning the Big Ten Tournament, future looks bright for Ohio State, even had a couple of guys drafted earlier this month in the Major League Baseball Amateur Player Draft. Speaking of Vanderbilt, Kamar Rocker, a right-handed pitcher for Vanderbilt, threw the first no-hitter in Super Regional history. Now, the Super Regionals haven't been around for very long. Ten, maybe twelve years. They've been playing these tournaments to get people to Omaha in the College World Series. Kamar Rocker struck out 19 in a complete game performance. A no-hitter to save Vanderbilt's season. It was an elimination game that he did it in. Uh, Vandy, I believe, won the next game and is on their way to Omaha. 
the College World Series is really where I started falling in love with college athletics, and this is going back, well, here's how long. The first time I watched the College World Series, Wichita State was playing in it, the Shockers, uh, and they were playing against Florida State. And the guy playing center field for Florida State was none other than primetime himself, Deion Sanders. Yes, that is how old I am. Deion Sanders was in college. But I've always had a, not really a passing interest in college baseball, but more of a bigger interest in it. Had hoped to play it at one point in time myself. It is a breeding ground for guys who can make the jump to the major leagues rather quickly. The biggest example I have for you is the year 2015. Michael Conforto was drafted in 2014 by the New York Mets, plays in the College World Series in 2014, and in the very next year is the starting left fielder at City Field in Game 3 of the World Series, and in Game 4 became only the second Met in baseball in history to homer twice in one World Series game, joining Gary Carter's Game 4 performance in 1986. So with college baseball going on now in their final run to a champion, it starts to heat up a little bit. Those guys who were drafted are either going to sign with their teams and report to their minor league assignments, or they're going to stay in school and they're going to finish out their run there. Other sports have been happening besides the major ones. We're going to get to the NBA in just a couple of minutes. But I want to go to tennis. Yes, I said tennis. And here's why I said tennis. Rafael Nadal won his 12th French Open very recently. Of course, the Grand Slam in, in tennis. You have the Australian Open, which is played in January. You have Wimbledon, which is in April, May. Roland Garros and the French Open is in June. And, of course, you have the Biggie. The U.S. Open in New York City every year right around Labor Day. Nadal won his 12th French Open. Now, let's put this in perspective. There are guys who didn't win 12 grand slams in their careers that were all-time greats. This guy's won 12 of a single tournament. He is probably the greatest clay court player we will ever see, and he's been so overshadowed by Roger Federer's dominance over the last 15 years, we really don't know how good he could have been or how big he could have been had Federer not been better. Now we go to golf. Golf started to heat up again in April. Why did golf heat up again in April? Because the one thing we thought we would never see again finally happened. Tiger Woods won a major. Almost 22 years to the day that you saw a 21-year-old Tiger walk off the course and hug his father off the 18th green. Tiger Woods walked off the 18th green at Augusta and embraced his son, Charlie. Now, recently, because of a Facebook post, my parents realized that I had cut school one time in high school. It was senior cut day, but it was also the Friday of the 1997 Masters Tournament. And I remember Jim Nance saying may not have been Nance, Nance does a weekend, so whoever was broadcasting it, said, let it be known that I believe it was two or so in the afternoon, Tiger Woods has taken the lead in the Masters. And I was home with friends watching that tournament. 
And I was just as giddy on Sunday when I found every way possible to keep an eye on the Masters. Hadn't done that in a few years. When Tiger sunk that putt, everybody who followed golf as a kid felt like a kid again. For that one day, we were brought back to why we picked up the golf clubs. Because this guy caught our attention. Jim Nance called his first win when he sunk the putt on 18, a win for the ages. And on that faithful Sunday, just this couple months ago, the return to glory. Tiger laid an egg at the PGA, but he hadn't played since the Masters. The PGA was at Beth Page Black on Long Island, where Tiger very famously won the 2002 U.S. Open in a walk. Last weekend was the Memorial. Rory McIlroy, of course, ran away with the championship. But the thing that no one paid attention to, and I caught it as I watched the final scores tick by. Tiger started that day mid-20s. He finished 10th. I would not be shocked if in the next couple of weeks we heard that Tiger Woods wins another major. Because now the chase for Jack is back on. But more importantly, the chase for Sam Snead for the most tournament wins in PGA Tour history. It's finally within his grasp. I believe he'll pass Snead before he well he'll pass Snead before he passes Jack because he's got two more to get to Snead and he's got four more to get to Jack as far as the majors go. So I'm pulling for Tiger. And I hope he gets this thing done. Now let's go to the NBA. And we may see something in the next several days that I have been looking forward to for three years. And that is the end of the Golden State Warriors. Gee, Mike, why do you want to see the end of the Golden State Warriors? People enjoy watching them. No, they really don't. Let's break down this Golden State Warriors quote-unquote dynasty over the past few years. They end up with the one seed for the entire playoffs in 2014-2015. They run through teams that are injured to get to the finals. And who'd they pull in the finals? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, wait. But it was the Cleveland Cavaliers without Kyrie Irving and without Kevin Love. They were down 2-1 in a series where LeBron James was setting records and his ace in the hole was Matthew Della Vadova. Matthew Della Vadova. My guy, Delhi. But he was playing second fiddle to the greatest player of our generation. Golden State wins a championship in six games. Fast forward one year. They go 73-9. and nine. They run their way through the Western Conference playoffs. Again, against injured teams. And they pull the Cleveland Cavaliers again in the 2016 NBA Finals. The 2016 NBA Finals. So you are now talking... The first 
the first round, the semis, the conference finals, and the finals in 2015. The first round, the conference semis, and the conference finals in the Western Conference of 2016. They had to get to the finals before they faced a team with their starting point guard healthy. Not banged up and playing because he feels he has to. Not missing them all together, but a healthy point guard. Stephen Curry plays point guard. In other words, when he was setting records in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, he wasn't playing a point guard that was healthy. I'm sorry, I take that back. The first time they played a point guard that was healthy was the Western Conference Finals in 2016. Oh, you mean the second biggest choke job of that postseason. As they were down 3-1 and won the next three. Get to the finals against Cleveland. We know what happened. The greatest comeback in NBA history as the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from three games down, three games to one down to win the 2016 NBA championship, end the 52-year drought in Cleveland, and to force Draymond Green to make the biggest little girl move in the history of professional sport. That in the parking lot, after losing Game 7 on their home floor, he didn't call his mother to cry. He didn't call his girl. He didn't call his friends from college. He called Kevin Durant. And basically said, yo, we can't beat him when he's at full strength. You need to come here and let us beat him. KD took the easy way out. And they have now won two consecutive championships with KD. Well, they are now down, as of today, three games to two in the NBA Finals. Why? Because the Toronto Raptors, yes, I said the Toronto Raptors who until this year couldn't get out of the second round or even their own way to get to the NBA Finals. Why? Because LeBron was in the East. And unfortunately for Toronto, all LeBron had to do was throw his sneakers on the court and they didn't know how to win a basketball game. LeBron's in the West. He's not even the, It wasn't even in the playoffs this year. Toronto gets to the to the NBA Finals. They have a lead of three games to one the other night. KD comes back for Game 5. Big mistake. As everybody in sports knows now, Kevin Durant has blown the Achilles. He had the surgery for it today. There is a very good chance that Kevin Durant will miss all of next season. His first year of free agent, after free agency. So now the Big question is, can the Warriors come back from 3-1 down like they did against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder in 2016 and like they allowed by the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016? Let's be very clear. This team is not the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers for two reasons. One, I don't believe they have the grit to get it done. This is a group of pretty boys whose thug decided to play this way in the NBA because he knew his coach in college would have kicked his rear end for taking a jump shot and kicking his feet out. Now, there are people who say that if Draymond Green wouldn't have been suspended for Game 5 of the NBA Finals that year, that Golden State would have won that series. 
Well, here's two things I will argue with. One, he should have been suspended when he kicked Steven Adams in the junk in the Western Conference Finals, and they wouldn't have gotten to the Finals. And two, last time I checked, Draymond played games game, uh, six and seven. Bringing back KD was a bad idea. He wasn't 100%. He played 12 minutes out of the first 14, which he was told he wasn't going to do, and pop goes the Achilles. They ended up winning Game 5 in Toronto. The difference is Toronto has proven they can win on the road in this playoffs. I fully anticipate that they will win Game 6 in the gar- in, in Golden State and win their first ever NBA championship. So let's think about this dynasty now. Five consecutive trips to the finals. Phenomenal accomplishment. Helped by injuries to win their first title. Blow the biggest lead and blow the big lead in the second year. Bring in the second best player in the world for the next two after losing a, a finals. Get out of the 2017 finals barely. And I know it was only a five-game series, but two things happened in that series that would have changed the whole thing. In game three, right before KD hit the big shot that now they're selling as an oil canvas online. Give me a break. Before he hit that big shot, there was a flagrant foul called on Kevin Love of the Cavaliers on Draymond Green where Draymond went to the basket, Love went straight up and happened to make contact with Draymond's head. Should have been called a flagrant? Absolutely. I agreed with the call 100%. Did I say that then? No, I made fun of Draymond because that's what you do to Draymond Green. But the next night, LeBron went up for the same play and KD hit LeBron in the face. Same exact play. No foul called at all. At that point in time, KD had 3,000 in the first half. You're talking about you have to sit KD or else he fouls out. What happens? Don't know. Maybe the Cavs win game four. And it's 2-2 going back to Oracle instead of 3-1. This Warriors dynasty has been plagued. Not really plagued. This Warriors dynasty has been marked by arrogance, by crybabies, and by, yes, they've played some good basketball. But what they've also done is shrink under pressure. Now, I don't believe that Stephen Curry is the kind of player that can lead his team back from 3-1 down like LeBron did. I don't believe Klay Thompson's 100%, and I don't believe in anything Draymond Green does. Toronto's going to win this title. And it will be a joyous occasion for everyone involved that doesn't root for the Golden State Warriors, which is a dwindling number. I believe we're going through some warrior fatigue. I don't believe that after this year they're going to be that much of a force to be reckoned with. So as I mentioned the date, June 12th, a funny thing happened the last couple of nights. The 23rd year of interleague play. 24th year, excuse me. And of course, 
the annual Subway Series. Two games in the Bronx, two games at City Field in Queens. The two games in the Bronx were the last two nights. Not even the last two nights. Played doubleheader yesterday. And the Mets got absolutely smoked in Game 1. And then smoked the Yankees in Game 2. Look, Pete Alonso is going to set the Met record for most home runs as a rookie. Um, the scary part is he may do it before the All-Star break. 22 bombs, and we're on June 12th. Good weekend against St. Louis. Coming up, but we're going to have a Mets wrap-up show for you in the coming days. So got a lot of stuff going on with the podcast and the show in general. It has become a little more multimedia, as I said. We did the mock draft back in April with um, TT uh, Sports Talk with SCG and Sonny and with Frank from uh, Clubhouse. We've done the uh, Behind Enemy Lines with SCG Sports on their YouTube channel, uh, where I, of course, took the mantle for my Cleveland Browns, and he took his for the Baltimore Ravens. The four-pack AFC North preview show, which is actually on the YouTube channel, was myself, Frank from uh, Clubhouse, Sonny from SCG Sports, and our now good friend Joey Bag of Donuts uh, from the Donut Bag podcast, which is basically everything Pittsburgh sports and pop culture. We're going to expand it a little bit. I'm currently working on a show with uh, Clubhouse to possibly do some NBA free agent predictions, uh, especially after what happened with K- KD and where he'll end up. Of course, you got the Anthony Davis saga with what uh, new Pelicans GM David Griffin, who was the GM of the Cavaliers when they won their title, uh, is going to do. We have the NBA draft, which the Pelicans won the lottery and will most likely take. Duke power forward Zion Williamson with the number one pick in the draft. And we are coming into the big time of Major League Baseball. We are exactly 30 days away from the All-Star Game, which will be held at Progressive Field in Cleveland, Ohio. Quick story. 22 years ago, when the first All-Star Game was held at, at Jacobs Field in Cleveland, Ohio, I was living there, and I remember very vividly Sandy Alomar Jr. hitting a home run to win the All-Star Game in his home park, becoming the first player in his home park to win the game MVP. I don't know who from the Indians is going to go to the All-Star Game this year. I do know that Cleveland is ready to party. They've actually had bars apply for and be granted licensing to serve liquor until 4 a.m. during the All-Star break. This is going to be either fun or scary. So we're going to come at you again this weekend with a New York Mets. Uh, going to be two weeks in review. The last video I put up that wasn't a collaboration video, of course, was the New York Mets uh, May month in review. May was tough, but if you want to hear more about it, definitely check it out on the YouTube channel. We're going to come to you, uh, going to get started working on the NFL preview that I'm going to do. I know I'm not a big NFL guy, but it really does take up a lot of the sports landscape. 
So I think it would be a disservice to the listeners that I've built up and also to the people that follow the YouTube channel for me not to do that. Also going to get started on the research on the 2019 college football preview. It's almost time for Buckeye football. Scary as that may seem. As always, podcasts can be heard on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public. There is no more Big Recon on Sports Twitter account. There is just my personal one, which is now at Big Recon on Sport. YouTube channel, Big Recon on Sports. Facebook page, Big Recon on Sports. So we're going to come to you Sunday with another New York Mets video and come to you next week with another podcast. Hopefully I'm going to be able to have a guest on that one. And we are working on a special show for the end of the month of June. I will start dropping some hints on that as they become available. So I hope everyone has had a wonderful start to their summer. Keep an ear out for the show to have a couple more episodes in the the coming weeks. And we will talk to you very soon. Have a good one.